Welcome and thanks for joining us today for our sermon here at Trinity Church Streetsville. This is episode two of our new sermon series, Jesus is the Question. We have Rob Herkmans with us today, where we will be looking specifically at the question Jesus asks, do you see this woman? This question is directed at Simon Peter, his beloved disciple. And of course, Simon will have seen this woman. But did he really see her? Did anyone really see her? Rob tells us that this is possibly one of the most powerful questions Jesus asks. Well, I hope you really enjoy this message today, and we hope it encourages you and stirs some thought as well. Here it is. Enjoy, and God bless. Good morning, everyone. My name's Rob. I'm the minister here at Trinity Streetsville, and it's a great pleasure to be here. Uh, and if you're new, a special and very warm welcome to you. You know, I have a great privilege, and that is that every morning I get to walk to work. And it's a very short walk. It's only about one or two kilometers. Basically, I just, I just walk up River Road and then go on to Ellen Street. And then I, you know, I wave at the Bemans sometimes in the morning. And then I turn and I cut across this, this beautiful little path uh, that leads. Um, there's this there's path that's, uh, whoops, what's going on there? There's a, there, there it is. There's, the, there's this path that on, on the one side, there's the river, uh, and there's all these beautiful, gorgeous trees there. And there's so much to see along this path, right? Sometimes you, you get to see some birds flying by. There's wildlife. There's rabbits that, you know, are running around. And uh, this path comes out right behind Trinity, so it's a nice little shortcut to work. Sometimes you get to see squirrels. Uh, there's all sorts of wildlife. Sometimes you see Dan Bemmon. That's a different kind of wildlife that you might see along, along this path. But it's, it's, there is, there's lots to see. Now, a, f- a couple years ago, uh, when our family was living in downtown Toronto, and I was working at a different church, uh, my walk to work, my commute to work looked, looked very, very different. Uh, what I would do then is I would uh, get uh, up in the morning and I would take the 92 bus up to Woodbine subway station and I would hop on the subway and I would take that down toward the downtown and usually get off at Sherburne station. And uh, once you got off uh, at Sherburne, you still uh, had a, a couple of blocks to walk, but, but of course you didn't see a lot of rabbits or you didn't see a lot of squirrels or birds. What you saw was a, a crush of people who are trying to get to work and, and trying to, to get to their jobs, the busy, busy commuters. Now, I say that I saw them, uh, but actually that's probably an overstatement because while I saw them, I didn't really see them, right? I mean, uh, we, we, we saw a crowd, but did I actually see these people, like really see, see these people? I, I don't think so. We were all just heading off in our own direction, you know, with our, with our cell phones in our hands and our morning Starbucks in our hands. And so there wasn't a lot of real seeing that happened. And then the last few blocks that I walked along Bloor Street to get to the church I was working at, uh, there was another bunch of people that, uh, well, this time, it, I actually chose, if I'm honest with you, I chose not to see. I, I tried not to see. And what I'm talking about is I'm talking about people who were uh, seeming, they were panhandling along the sidewalk. They, they seemed to be people who were homeless. They, they, were, they were begging for money. It was a very interesting scene because here you were in the business center of the largest city in all of Canada, and then right there in front of you, there was a people who had uh, absolutely nothing. You'd have your, your morning Starbucks in your hand, and they would have an empty coffee cup, and they would just be holding it out, and, uh, and maybe, what were they hoping for? Maybe they were hoping that you'd 
put a dollar or two into their cup, maybe. Or maybe what they really, really wanted was for you just to see them. Just to see them. Just to notice them. Just to be seen. To be recognized somehow. But of course, but of course, I tried not to see them. Because once you see someone like that, once you, once you see them, then, well, they might see you back. And then, and then once you recognize that you've seen each other, well, then there might actually be an interaction. There might actually be a conversation, and that could be awkward. And after all, who has time for that anyways? We've, we've got to keep on moving. We've got to, we've got to keep on going, right? I, I tried, I really tried, actually, not to look at these people, I confess, but after a year or two of doing this, you know, I got to tell you, it got, it got a whole lot easier walking that street. It got easier because here's, here's the thing. You see, after intentionally ignoring someone for that long, pretty soon you don't even have to try. You just don't, you just don't see them anymore. It's second nature not to see them. I got really, really good at seeing past these people, seeing past the poverty, seeing past uh, the problems. I kept my eyes on myself. <laughs> I kept my eyes on my own life my own agenda, my own to-do list, my own things. What about you? Who do you see? Even this morning, who do you see sitting around you in this church? Who do you see in your neighborhoods? In your apartment building, who do you see? In your school, who do you see? When you uh, turn on the news and you see children, in refugee camps, who do you see? Do you see them? When you see homeless people living under the overpass, who do you see? Do you see them? Or do you look past them? Do you avoid them? The truth is, it is not easy to truly see another person, which is so incredibly sad because one of the basic human needs that we all have is the need to be seen, the need to be noticed, the need to be valued, the need to be understood. I have to apologize. I forgot which book it was, but there was a quote I came across yesterday, and uh, the author said this. Psychologists tell us that much pathology and mental illness results from the experience of being unnoticed, especially early in life. Over time, people internalize the pain of this unnoticedness. Over time, we learn to compensate for this pain. Some of us become high achievers, and others of us, we withdraw. Others addictively attach themselves to someone else. And so we have to wonder, as we sit in church, or at a coffee shop, or as we walk through the supermarket, how many of the people around us feel isolated and overlooked? I mean, you can fake seeing someone. You can pretend to see someone. But people know whether they've been seen or not. It is entirely possible to look right at someone and still not see them. Jesus, won, uh, Jesus once asked a question. Uh, actually, we're, we're tackling a whole bunch of the questions that Jesus asked. Uh, Jesus asked 307 questions. At least that's how many we have recorded in the New Testament. And uh, it's surprising Jesus asked way more questions than he ever gave answers. Uh, but the one question we're going to look at today is this question. Do you see this woman? 
do you see this woman? It sounds like a bit of a, a strange question, but as we unpack it together this morning, I think you're going to agree with me. It is one of the most powerful and potentially life-changing questions that Jesus ever asked. One day, Jesus was invited to a banquet. It was one of those, you know, fancy schmancy banquets, the kind of a banquet you'd love to be invited to that had all the respected people, the busy people, the GTA, Mississauga, power people, Bloor Street people, right? The, the kind of a banquet we'd all love to be seen at. But someone crashes the party. A woman of the city who was a sinner, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. Now, there is so much packed into this one little sentence. Let's just look at this. First of all, a woman of the city. This is a translation by a, a Bible teacher named Ched Myers. The, the, the intention here is for us to understand that she was a prostitute, which she probably was. Some of the people I passed along Blur Street, probably, they had the same line of work. But that's the first thing we're being told. She's a prostitute. Uh, secondly, she was a sinner. Now, that is another social label that is given to her. Isn't it true that one of the ways we're able to distance ourselves from others, and one of the ways we're actually able to keep away from and not truly see people is by giving them labels? I mean, I don't really need to see you for who you are if I can just label you, right? Oh, I know all there is to know about you because I've already got a label on you. I don't need to really see you. I know all about you. Your label tells me everything that I need to know. But thirdly, we also know that she had somehow learned that Jesus was eating at this Pharisee's house. Now, I just find this interesting. How did she know? Well, maybe the word was on the street that Jesus was there. Uh, maybe she had actually already interacted with Jesus at another time, and she was kind of following him around. Some people have wondered how she even got access to the house. How did she know the way in? Could it be that her host was a client of hers at one time? Who knows? But there she is, for all to see. The question is, did anyone actually see her? I mean, if you were at that banquet, would you have seen her? I mean, you would have seen her, right? You would have seen her. But would you really see her? Would you really look? Would you really pay attention to her? I dare say we would not. We would not. And here's why, because she does a whole bunch of these inappropriate things. First of all, I'm just telling you, like, try not to look. Try, try not to look at her, okay? But she's weeping. She's crying. I don't know, is it blubbering? Is it whimpering? Is it wailing? Well, it sounds like it could be wailing because there's so many tears coming out of her eyes that she's actually wetting Jesus' feet. But I'm actually not looking at it. Are you looking at it? I'm not looking. Pay no attention to the woman over there who is crying in the corner. Pay no attention. Don't really see her, okay? The second thing that we would not want to look at is the fact that she is wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. Do not look at that. Avert your eyes. Why? Because proper women in those days would never even be seen in public with their hair unbound, much less wiping their hair all over the feet of someone like that in public. I mean, it's so intimate. It's so inappropriate. Do not look. I'm not looking. I am not looking. Pretend like nothing's happened. Go back to your dinner. Isn't this a wonderful meal? Isn't this great? No, I'm not paying attention. Are you paying attention? No, no, no. And thirdly, avert your eyes because she's now going to pour perfume all over Jesus' feet. And man, oh man, does it smell. Woo, you can't miss that. You can't ignore the smell of that. But you know what? I am going to ignore it. I'm going to pretend I can't smell it. I'm not going to pay any attention to what is going on over there. I'm still not looking. Are you? I'm still not paying attention. 
I'm still not seeing that, are you? No, no. You see, so while this game of seeing but not really seeing, about, about, about looking but not really looking, noticing but not really noticing, while this game is kind of going on, that's the moment when Jesus breaks the tension. Jesus breaks the tension and, and we come across these words. Then turning to the woman, Jesus said to Simon, do you see this woman? Now, I don't want you just to picture this for a second. Turning to the woman, Jesus says to Simon, where's Simon? I don't know. Jesus is looking at the woman, but he's talking to Simon. This is a pretty powerful scene right here. Simon, do you see this woman? For everybody at the party that day, this woman was invisible, except for Jesus. They, they, they knew nothing about this woman's history. They knew nothing about her identity, but beyond her labels, beyond uh, the stigma that's attached to her. So she, she's, she's invisible to everyone. And, and, and so Jesus actually has to ask the question, do you, do, you, do you see this woman? It's actually not a rhetorical question. <laughs> no one actually sees her except for Jesus. I mean, I mean, what they see is a prostitute. They see a streetwalker, but they don't see her. They see a problem. They see an embarrassment, but they don't see her. Jesus is looking at her. They're looking away from her. They're trying not to see her. Jesus can't take his eyes off her. Simon, do you see this woman? It's a powerful scene. It's even more powerful when you realize that the biblical way that the word see and seeing gets used is actually often associated with compassion. Seeing and compassion go together. Seeing and compassion go together. Uh, and the, the reason that they go together is because often once you really see someone, once you really see them, then you know what? You're actually going to have compassion for them, right? Because now we're not just seeing a label. We're not just seeing, you know, we're not looking past them. We're empathizing with them. We're actually seeing ourselves in their shoes. We're seeing ourselves in their, in their situation. Jesus did this all the time. Uh, for example, once when Jesus was kind of getting off the subway in his day and there was a crush of people, there was crowds of people around him, we read that Jesus said, when, he, uh, said, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he saw, he was moved with compassion for them. For Jesus, you see, seeing leads to compassion. Many of us don't want to see because we don't want to feel. Seeing someone's despair, seeing someone's hurt, seeing someone's suffering, it's like a gut punch. It hurts. It makes us feel guilty. It makes us feel sad. It makes us feel awkward. It makes us feel all sorts of things that we don't want to feel that way. So, so we'd rather just not look in the first place. We'd rather just not see them in the first place. Look, look away instead. But the more we see them, the more we really see them, I would dare say that those feelings of guilt or sadness will eventually give way to feelings of compassion. And of course, it's a, it's a very short trip from compassion to action. Once you see someone, you'll feel compassion for them. Once you feel compassion for them, very soon you'll find yourself wanting to help them in their situation. That's exactly what Jesus does. Jesus sees this woman. He sees her. 
And then he has compassion for her. And that means he then wants to help her. And indeed, Jesus does help her. Because as we keep reading the story, what does Jesus end up doing? He, he recognizes her dignity. He celebrates her love. He blesses her. He forgives her. He sets her free. He grants her peace. Pope Francis once pointed out that there are certain realities in life that we can only see through eyes that have been cleansed with our tears. But unfortunately, in this story, the only tears that are being shed are being shed by the woman. While the woman's crying, nobody else seems to be crying tears of compassion. There's no compassion because, of course, they don't see her. And I don't think they ever really do see her in the story, right? Even at the end of our story today, right, all people seem to be able to talk about is, oh my goodness, Jesus forgave her sins. Who does this guy think he is that he can forgive her sins? Can you believe it? Who is this? How dare he? Who does he think he is? They are so upset with Jesus and they are standing and they are fighting and they're probably, they're, they're PO'd by his actions, they're upset by his words. And meanwhile, in the middle of all this hubbub, guess who is once again, not being seen. There she is, still unseen. Like the people at the party, sometimes we are um, unable to see, whereas other times we are unwilling to see. And there's a big difference between being unable to see and being unwilling to see. Sometimes we're unable to see because we're just so busy looking at our own things. We're so busy looking at our own life, our own problems, our own situations, or, or we're looking at frivolous things, and we're not really looking at the important things of life. Those partygoers, they were looking at lots of things. They were looking at the people, the food, the atmosphere, the music, whatever the case may be, but they were just looking at the wrong things. They were looking at the wrong things. They were blinded by their own agendas. They couldn't see the woman for who she was. They were unable to see. And, uh, and actually, I should just add as a side note, because they were unable to see the woman for who she was, they were actually unable to see Jesus for who he was as well. Because they assumed that, oh my gosh, if Jesus could really know who this woman was, Jesus would know that she is a sinner. Therefore, Jesus can't possibly be a prophet or anybody great. He's, he's, he's a total, uh, he, he, he's, a, he's a fraud. He's a fraud. But you see, don't you see the connection? Because they couldn't see the woman for who she was, then they couldn't see Jesus for who he is. Keep that in mind, that our inability to see others for who they really are can affect our ability to see Jesus for who he truly is. So yes, sometimes we are unable to see, and other times, though, we're unwilling to see because there's a cost to seeing someone. If you actually see this woman, if you actually see her, you might need to move beyond your stereotypes. You might need to move beyond all those labels you give her, and you might actually have to start treating her with dignity and worth. And, and that kind of change, that's a heart change, that's a life change, and that is hard to do. So yeah, sometimes we are unable to see. Other times we are unwilling to see. You know, one uh, author says that Simon uh, only sees what sort of woman she is, Jesus does not see a sort of woman. He sees this woman. And moving from one way of seeing to another way of seeing can be painful for many of us. So while some are unable to see, Jesus is able. And while some are unwilling to see, Jesus is willing. 
And while all the men at the party, they stand and they shout and they disagree and they argue, Jesus keeps his eyes on the woman and in the end offers her a blessing. Go in peace. Here at Trinity, we want to be a community of people who are learning to see. Learning to see each other for who we are. Learning to see God for who God is. Do you see each other this morning? I mean, do you really? Do you really see one another this morning? With a growing church, there is always this fear that we actually stop seeing one another. Of course, you see the crowds and, you know, you'll see the people around. Yes, yes, maybe. Maybe you even go and after church, you connect with one or two of your favorite people. But all the others, we don't really see them. We don't really know them. And maybe we don't really want to know them. But please, Trinity, promise me this, that if by God's grace, this church continues to grow, that we will not stop learning to see each other and not stop knowing each other. That every week our eyes and our hearts will be open to new relationships and to new people. But that's not the only way that we're learning to see here at Trinity. I want to take you back to our, our trip that we took to Honduras. You know, when we went to Honduras a, a couple months ago, uh, we never called it a mission trip. Oh, we never called it a mission trip. Uh, it wasn't like we were going down there to like do something that they couldn't do for themselves or anything like that. No, actually, we called it a learning trip. But we actually could have called it a seeing trip. It was really just a trip to get down there to, to see the people, to see the children, to see the context, uh, to, to see some of the, the wonderful children that you and I and others chose to sponsor. It was a seeing trip. Because seeing, as we just learned, seeing leads to compassion. And then compassion then leads to action. Even more, though, we're also learning how to see right here in Mississauga. Uh, you know, one of the big uh, things that can happen to a church sometimes is that we, we live in our community and we just assume. We assume that we know everything about our city. We know everything about Streetsville. We know everything about Mississauga. We've been here for years and years and years. After all, we live here. We may think we know this place, but do we really see it? One problem a church can fall into is to be nestled right in the midst of a community, right in the middle of a city like we are, but not really take the time to learn, to see who are these people. And what is God doing here? So that's why I'm so grateful that coming up uh, this fall, uh, we are going to be undertaking, under the leadership of Kyla Loans, a proper neighborhood analysis of Streetsville and Mississauga, where a team from Trinity is going to spend several weeks together really learning to see our community and to see where God is calling us as a church to get more involved. So please pay attention and stay tuned for more about that. But there's also another way that you need, we need to learn to see, and it's a bit of a more personal way. Oh, yes, it's, it's very exciting to learn to see people in Honduras and to learn to see our community. But, but it, where the rubber really hits the road is, can we learn to see in our own homes? Do you see this woman when that woman is your wife? When that woman is your daughter? When you look around your dinner table at your son, your husband, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, do you see them as they really are or do you see them as who you want them to be? Do you see them as who Jesus sees them? Is your home a home of compassion? If not, we need to learn to see our families like Jesus 
sees our families. We're almost done here, but related to that is learning to see ourselves properly. A part of the change that occurs within us is when we look in the mirror, do we really see the man and the woman that is in that mirror properly? I mean, there's probably parts of you that you do see rightly, and there's other parts of you that you don't want to see. It's a very challenging question, but do you even see yourself rightly? The good news is Jesus sees you, and Jesus sees me, and he can't take his eyes off you. He loves you. He gave his life for you. Can you see yourself the same way that Jesus sees you? And that leads us to the very last way that we need to learn to see And that is we need to learn to see Jesus himself. Let me take you back to my trip down Bloor Street, uh, my commute a few years ago. As you get closer to St. Paul's Bloor, right outside of St. Paul's, there is a sculpture uh, that is out there. The sculpture is called When I Was a Stranger. And it's a sculpture by an artist named Timothy Schmalz. And it depicts, as you can see from this picture, it depicts Jesus sitting there alone, on a stool. Uh, He's poor. He's hungry. He's alone. And you can actually sit down on one of those other stools and you can sit there and you can just look at Jesus. And the lesson is clear. We need to learn to see Jesus in the face of the poor, in the face of the lonely, in the face of the lost. If we don't learn to see Jesus in the hurting, if we don't learn to see Jesus in each other, if we don't learn to see Jesus in our families, then we will never see Jesus because Jesus is found in the poor, in the stranger, in the pew beside you, in the mirror. So you can see there is an awful lot at stake in that one little question, do you see? We can always choose to turn away or look away, but that's not the Jesus way. Jesus sees the people of our city. Jesus sees the people of our church. Jesus sees your family, your friends. He sees you, and he loves you completely. So let's learn to see, because without seeing each other rightly, we can never really love each other fully. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening in to our sermon today, and we're so glad that we can share our message of the good news with you in this way. If you enjoyed what you just heard, can you please take a moment to rate and review our podcast, as this will help us to continue to reach even more people. Thanks again, and please join us next week for yet another question Jesus asks. Today's sermon was taken from the July 30th, 2023 service at Trinity Church Streetsville in Mississauga, Ontario.